1: Today is Wednesday, December 1st. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. I hope you all had a great and safe Thanksgiving, and enjoyed my reprised interview last week with the legendary Jimmy John Leoteau. For some of you, this was an encore, while for others, newer to the audience, you probably got to catch it for the first time. In either case, this interview presents a different side of Jimmy John, one that's unknown to most, and what a better time to air it than in the season and spirit of of Thanksgiving Today I present the second installment in my Rising Stars of franchising series and will feature retired U.S Army Lieutenant Colonel Paul Hussar, president CEO and majority owner of VetCorp LLC, a restoration company focused on disaster recovery. What makes VetCo so unique is that their services are offered through a franchise network comprised predominantly of veterans and/or veteran advocates with their services being delivered by technicians, who, too, are predominantly veterans. This Rising Star series, regularly scheduled for presentation on the second Wednesday of each month, comes to you a week early this time to make way next week for the first of two back-to-back episodes of Franchise Today featuring iconic small business author Michael E. Gerber. Coined by Inc. Magazine as the world's number one small business guru, Michael E. Gerber has authored dozens of small business books, including several editions of the legendary E-Myth, an absolute must read for anyone in franchising since its initial printing in 1986. In part one next week, we'll look back over the 35 year history of the EMITH. Then in part two the following week, we'll look ahead to some very exciting news regarding future plans for the EMITH. Two weeks back to back with Michael E. Gerber and the EMITH. A big finish to this, our 12th season of Franchise Today. But first, today, I present retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Paul Hussar, President. President, CEO, and majority owner of Vetcor. When it comes to achievements in both civilian and military life, Paul Hussar sets the bar high. Born and raised in Akron, Ohio, Lieutenant Colonel Hussar earned his bachelor's degree in civil engineering at the United States Military Academy at West Point and his master's in civil engineering at the University of Washington before making the U.S. Army and its Corps of Engineers his career for some 23 years. Today, he joins us to talk about the second chapter in his life as President, CEO, and Principal Owner of VetCore Services and Franchising. Paul Hussar, right here in two minutes or less, this week on Franchise
0: Today. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey,
1: franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% After nearly two dozen years in service to our nation, racking up an impressive stack of military awards and decorations, including the Legion of Merit, the Bronze Star Medal with Oak Leaf Cluster, and the Defense Meritorious Service Medal during four combat tours in Iraq, one unaccompanied tour in Korea, and operational deployments to Thailand, Bolivia, Honduras, Panama, and Haiti, Paul Hussar has embarked upon the next chapter in his life and career. And what better preparation could anyone ask than to transfer for those skills, disciplines, and dedication of a career soldier to franchising, where today, as VetCorps' CEO, Paul not only brings disaster recovery services to those in need, but delivers those services through a franchise network of veterans and veteran advocates, who in turn hire veterans as well to be their technicians and deliver nothing less than best-in-class service to those they serve. Last week, Jimmy John spoke in part about his family's deep commitment to the military, and specifically He referenced his financial commitments to the Folds of Honor Foundation because he was so impressed with its founder, Major Dan Rooney. Jimmy John went on to say, Over the years, he has learned to bet on jockeys, not just their horses. Well, I'm going to borrow that expression as it describes exactly how I feel about Paul Hussar as a franchisor. While he is far more early stage than most that I usually feature here, this interview will indicate that this rising star is cut from the same fabric as Major Dan and is doing all the right stuff and is on a great trajectory to long-term sustainable growth for his brand, his clients, his franchisees, and their teams. Paul Huzara, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you uh, having me, Stan. Well, you came about in a time that hit the calendar where everybody was thinking of veterans in the last week or two, as they should be doing all year long, but Veterans Day was very much on my mind at about the same time that I learned about VetCor. Why don't you tell us your story about your career, and along the way, we need to learn how franchising discovered you, because as we all know, it's an unintentional way of doing business unless you're born into it. And from the military career that I see, yours is a different track than that. So tell us the story, Paul.
2: Yeah, yes, sir. Thanks. And thanks for your passion about veterans as well. So I'm a retired army officer and and really kind of an unintentional retired army officer. I went to West Point right out of high school. I said I would stay in the army till I stopped having fun. My first assignment, I got my branch of choice. I got my assignment of choice. I was an engineer and I picked Fort Bragg. So I was jumping out of air, planes and uh, doing really fun stuff. Along the way, the Army treated me well. I got a master's degree in civil engineering, worked for the Army Corps of Engineers a little bit, but I mostly stayed on the troop side. And I spent 11 years at Fort Bragg coming back to Fort Bragg to command the same battalion that I was uh, a second lieutenant in. Dream come true. I took them back to Iraq. I met my first unit in Desert Storm. Three more deployments to Iraq to include as an operations officer of the 20th Engineer Brigade Combat Airborne, the only airborne engineer brigade in the world. And then Then commanding an airborne battalion, time one of three in the Army. And then my last assignment, my terminal assignment, I was the director of training, leader development, or the dean, as I like to call it. That's the civilian equivalent of the Army Engineer School. All my mentors said you could follow your best opportunity when you get out of the military, And for Corps of Engineers. Guys like me, I was typically working for an engineering firm or something. Or you could pick quality of life and go where you want to go and find the best opportunity available. And given I was physically gone from my family four out of seven years at the end of my career, I said I'd pick quality of life and move to Tampa, Florida for all kinds of reasons. For the first time in my life, I found all the things I was looking for instead of the best the worst course of action or some shitty military town. So moved here and then looked for opportunities. I struggled of finding them until about six months into my move down here, I met a gentleman named David Howard. David was the first C-suite level guy who knew kind of what my resume meant because he was an army officer for five years and then got out and spent 25 years in the insurance industry. And at the time he was the CEO of a engineering forensics engineering company whose clients were insurance companies. He had just gotten hired and this was in October of 2013. November 2013, Veterans Day, he launched VetCorp unknown to me. A week later, he calls me in for an interview because he got my resume as a result of him leading this forensics engineering company. And and my background as a licensed professional engineer. So he starts to tell me about what he's doing. He's trying to vertically integrate other service offerings to insurance carrier clients because their revenue from forensics engineering was waning. The sinkhole business was kind of on decline in Florida because of some legislation. And I thought I was interviewing for an engineering management position. And he says, hey, I'd like you to be the president of VetCorps and start... And run the company, a restoration company that would primarily hire veterans, and that would be the differentiator because you know we show up fit polite on time, treat people with dignity and respect, and that kind of stuff. So as an aside, my last assignment in the army trying to help credential young soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines who were engineers, plumbers, carpenters, electricians, firefighters, divers, heavy equipment operators, which one would would think wouldn't be a problem because they should have great employment potential. Well, it turns out that they don't, because when you train all those folks ph- folks in the military at one centralized location and then send them to 50 states, they don't get a credential because the credential for those types of skilled trades is maintained at the state level and you can't get 50 states to agree on one common standard of everything. It's kind of a state's rights thing. And so I was stifled in trying to solve that problem. And now I get out and I'm presented with this opportunity to start a business where that problem doesn't exist because in restoration, it's a national certification, not a license. And now it's like, wow, I could really do something to help vets. So I took the job. Crazy set of circumstances. Eight months into it, I had the opportunity to buy the company. My business partner, David, kind of facilitated the deal as a buyer and a seller. So he stayed on as a minority partner. We were doing very well. We had acquired a bunch of insurance carrier clients through David's relationships and introducing me to them. So here I was, a former battalion commander, licensed professional engineer, West Point grad, (laughs) leading a company of six technicians. I would get the meeting because demographically, I was similar to all these insurance carrier executives. At this point, you
1: weren't franchising yet then right? No, this is no. A Small company owned operation.
2: A value proposition of the small company in Tampa. And we started knocking it out of the park. And then we expanded two more times in Florida to create two more company owned offices in Florida. And then as I looked at that, I said, man, this is great, but I can only expand so fast through debt financing and growing. And I started exploring other options. I learned about the franchise model. And also at the same time, because we're so close to MacDill Air Force Base, I was meeting all these senior people like me who are transitioning from the military. And they were just like, me, they didn't know what they wanted to do when they grew up. And we can only help so many veterans by hiring them as technicians or project managers, but those are generally enlisted folks or senior NCOs or junior officers. And I found out the folks like me, the senior officers and senior NCOs, they're having the same challenges in transition. They don't know what they want to do. And as I looked at franchising, I went to the IFA conference in 2017, literally two years, almost two years before we started franchising. And I just started meeting people and understanding. And that's how I got my CFE so quickly, because I got enrolled in the merging franchiser boot camp to learn about franchising. And what I found was this incredible model that would allow us to kind of target opportunities, business ownership opportunities for senior people, mostly senior people getting out of the military, who then in turn were only going to hire more veterans because they saw the value proposition in that and they knew kind of what our brand represented. And that's how, as we kind of just dipstick that and started looking at that. And that's how we figured it out. I'll also add that as I studied franchising as a model, I've learned that in my opinion, the three critical things to franchising is training, standardizing, and replicating. And you you know any institutions that have a great reputation for training, standardizing, and replicating? (laughs) So as we went from becoming a restoration company to now being a franchising company, I believe it played to our strengths and it's shown. And now we're, we're at the point we've been franchising just over two years. We have 11 units, 27 territories, six in Florida, two in Texas, one in New York, one in Georgia, one in... In Virginia, getting ready to award one in Kentucky and one in Ohio. Need I ask how all of them are doing? They're doing very well. The really cool thing about this also is not only do they do well in their own, because the quality of our franchisees, frankly, are just head and shoulders above the rest. They're all veterans at one, except one. The one that we most recently signed, he's a veteran advocate. He's a former insurance agent. He owned an insurance agency, so he understands this. But for the most part, there are other transitioning, either retired or transitioned officers who come with incredible leadership management. Management experience. We're trying to break in to get the senior NCOs as well. My chief operating officer is a retired sergeant major. There's no one better at training in the world, in my opinion, than retired sergeant major. So, between what he's done with our training component and the quality of franchisees that we have, they're exceptional. And then our relationship in Florida, we, we're a preferred vendor for over 60 insurance carriers and eight third-party administrators. What that translates to nationally is about 10 national carriers. And so now, when there's a hurricane, as there was with Hurricane Ida. They Insurance carriers and the TPAs reach out to us and say, Can you go? I know we don't have any franchisees in New Orleans. Can you go to New Orleans? And we put a net call out to our franchisees and say, All right, who wants to ride to the sound of the guns with us? And in this case, we had four franchisees and five subcontractors decide to go. And that's what we do. We, We command and control small unit level operations. That's what we're really good at. And our franchisees execute small unit level operations, commanding and controlling them. And we hit it out of the park. And we've done that now for really four consecutive years with significant hurricanes. Last year, there was a bunch in the Gulf Coast. Before that, it really started with Hurricane Matthew in 2016 then Irma in 2017 and then Michael. And so we really, I think, provided value to those clients. You made a couple of interesting comments. One about being in the restoration
1: business and then the franchising business, and the fact that you can understand as quickly as you have the difference between the two, and that you've managed for that is something that a lot of emerging franchisors take much more time to try and figure out. I don't know if you're a student of the E Myth or not, but Michael Gerber is going to be on the podcast here in the next coming weeks. Okay, that cool. book was written in 1986 in its first edition, and all these years later, as is the case with anything else, it's fundamental instead of a trend or. Fad, it still holds true. And the reasons that franchising as a whole does better than businesses that are not franchised is because you train better and you support better and you replicate.
2: Yeah, which is why it makes it great for veterans. I think people have a slight misunderstanding about this. They think veterans make great franchisees because we follow orders and follow SOPs. And that is true. But I think what they miss and what they don't really necessarily understand is we're used to having a system, but we're not only are we used to having a system, but operating within commanders intent, understanding commander's intent, two levels above our own. And then as long as you understand that and you have these SOPs and these orders, you understand what your left and right limits are to execute initiative based on your judgment. And that's the power of the U.S. military, which makes us the greatest military on the face of the earth, not because we follow orders so well. On the contrary, because we understand intent and their intent-based operations, and we use our initiative based on the understanding of the higher commander's intent. And that. That's why veterans make such great franchisees.
1: Would you submit that the same is true for professional
2: athletes? Well, interesting. Yeah. I mean, you probably have heard the deal about enterprise. You know, enterprise recruits division two and three college athletes. I think depends with professional athletes as well, but enterprise recruits them because they know they're not generally not going pro and they really care about the team. And I think that certainly there's a a similar approach. It's team first, right? And we look for win-win solutions, which is another reason why it makes our industry in particular makes it a really good opportunity because when you look for win-win approaches the pie gets bigger for everybody and it's franchisees as a network of franchisees and you see your franchisee to the left and the right you share good ideas shamelessly and you steal them willingly or correction you, 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 you steal them shamelessly and you share them willingly. <laughs> much others. better play that hand yeah. um <laughs> because you don't care who gets the credit you, you want everybody to do And I think that very much with professional athletes, and and there are a lot of athletes who become significant multi-unit franchisees because they can take something, be a part of the team, contribute, give back, but also kind of win themselves too.
1: Well, I'm proud to have been a part in some of those transitions through the Pro Athlete Franchise Initiative, which many years ago I created with an NFL veteran, and we help many others along the lines of Twilight Year players make that transition, transferring their transferable skills from the playbook to the ops manual (laughs) with a game that never goes out of season
2: yeah and I think the other thing that's similar between that right is professional athletes have, have been involved in an industry you know whatever sport they're in right and now they're kind of thrown into the business world veterans have been involved in an industry which is armed forces and now they're thrown into civilian business world and franchising allows you to kind of catch up right it's taking established procedures it's taking a brand and all you have to do is execute that kind of per, per the playbook I think that's where it's very very similar and I tell folks too they the other thing, particularly the veterans, not necessarily with professional athletes because they, they're usually doing pretty well for themselves. It's a great opportunity to build wealth. And with veterans, it's a great opportunity to build wealth and play catch up in building wealth because generally they haven't been building wealth like their civilian peers have been up in that point in their career.
1: Oh, so true. Very true. On the other side of a break, we're going to talk more about Vetcor and the concept itself and its value proposition to both the consumers who you serve as well as those who join you as franchisees. But going into the break, just curious about how you determined who to serve you in your quest for education as you became interested in the franchise business model and had to do probably a fair amount in addition to getting your CFE, which is no small feat in so short a time, but also to learning about how best to go about franchising, how best to produce an FDD, who is the best attorney and other vendors to put by your side. How did that roll out for you?
2: Yeah, well, I got connected with a fellow West Point graduate who is a multi-unit franchisee here in Tampa. And she's become a good friend of mine. And I said, you know, help me understand this, et cetera. And she was going to a Franchise Action Network fan meeting here in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And a friend of hers, who was a prominent franchise attorney, was coming into town to speak at that event. And so she said, hey, you want to meet this guy and meet for coffee? He's a really great guy. And so I did. And so for an hour's worth of coffee, he listened to what our brand was, our brand promise was. He's like, oh, my God, this is a great concept. And I started scribbling several pages of notes. He's like, "Okay, here's what you need to do. Establish a holding company with a franchise company, logistics company, IP company, blah, 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 et cetera. He says, now, if you're really interested in this, you need to join the IFA when you join the Join the IFA, they pay for your first conference as an emerging franchiser. You need to go to that conference. I said, Great. When is it? He said it's in two weeks in Phoenix. I said, Okay. So I the hotel was already booked full, but I got flights and I stayed at a nearby hotel. Just went there, went a day early, crashed the vet fran meeting just introduced myself to all the vet fran committee folks, enrolled in the emerging franchiser boot camp and just started meeting people. And I'm extroverted to the extremes. That that was no problem for me. And say, Hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna hire vets, we're gonna offer franchise the vets and their immediate family members in a great industry recession proof and just started meeting and developing trusted partners going to the, enroll in the CFE and learning and from that all those kind of trusted partners who I met and established relationships with would refer me to other vendors and and that's what man I was like I was drinking from the fire hose and as you know stand the people in the franchising industry are so giving of their time their resources their knowledge and willing to share cuz you know for the most part they're not competitors and so the franchising industry is really good about that. And from there, I just took it and grabbed it and went to every IFA event I could. As a result, I got all the CFE credits. I just kept learning and being a sponge. So I was almost CFE qualified before we had an FDD. And the same thing with my other two executives in the company. They're getting ready to complete their CFE probably this year before the year ends, if not shortly into the new year and learn. And they desired to give a shout out to who that friend or that attorney was? The friend was Emily Harrington. She's a multi-unit franchisee for Tropical Smoothie and Justin Klein. Oh, I don't know him. And I see oh. him every year now at the IFA event. Good friends with him. We're connected on social media. And- what firm is he with? Marks and Klein.
1: No. That just goes to show you, I've got 0.03 degrees of separation with about 2,800 people in the IFA, but I don't know them all. So let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk more about the VetCor concept and what its vision and promise is and how that looks to those who need your services and for those who join you as franchisees. We're talking today with Paul Huzar president and CEO of VetCor, and we'll be right back.
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world Forum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com That's www.Zorforum.com and I continued the conversation today with Paul Huzar president and CEO of vetcor a retired army man for a great many years who's bringing a great many people to a new brand in a space that's not new to franchising there's a whole lot of competition in your space and restoration Paul but I think that the way I view that as many companies as I perceive there are there's a greater need in the universe for what you do than there are companies that do it would that be a correct assessment yeah that's
2: true and it's not going away. Home services now is proven, in general home services, and particularly in restoration, has proven to be recession-proof, pandemic-proof. It's an essential service. There's some bad actors out there, which makes it even easier for good actors. And all the franchises that I know, and a shout out to them, who are our competitors, there's plenty of room in this industry for good companies with integrity. And in particular, when there's a disaster, and most people think that's what we do, and chase hurricanes. And, and when that happens, it's literally a rainmaker event unintended. But most of the stuff we do is dishwashers, ice makers, hot water heaters, air conditioning units, kitchen fires, that kind of stuff. That happens routinely and so frequently that there's just a ton of room in the space for reputable contractors to come and help. So what's a day in the life look like for a franchisee in your business? What I tell my franchisees is I want them to work on the business, not in the business. But also because my franchisees typically are former military, they're also not afraid to lead by example example. example when needed, right? And sometimes they're on a project, particularly when they're starting out as a franchisee, you're lean until you start developing the business and everything. But I would prefer them to be out and be the veteran guy or gal in their community, meeting with insurance agents, realtors, property managers, resort owners, hotel owners, facility managers. And what I tell them is, hey, just have a cup of coffee. We're focused on relationships, not transactions. And when that happens, good things happen because they remember, and it's the power of our Brand versus any of the other brands in the restoration industry. Our brand is the brand known for timely, quality, reliable service, and the value of veterans. And that's what they need to say. It's better to know us and not need us than need us and not know us. And those things are sticky. And when you meet with someone, they understand that with our brand, you ask them, When's the last time you had a service call of any kind when someone said they were going to be at their house? What time did they tell you? You're laughing. I already know (laughs) the answer to the question. The, The best answer you get to that question is between one and
1: four, yeah. and then they still all show up on time.
2: <laughs> right. And they don't call in advance, right? And so when we teach our franchisees to kind of have those relationships, not transactions and talk to people and ask that question, you know what the answer is, right? then you say, okay, but with Vetcor, we primarily hire veterans and early is on time and on time is late. People understand that, that resonates. That's the power of this brand, right? And so they're like, wow, gosh. And so then when that technician or their project manager show up and they say, hey, we need you here at eight o'clock and they show up at eight o'clock, they actually show up five minutes early circle around. So eight o'clock, the doorbell rings right on the money. You can screw up 10 more things later that day. But because you showed up on time with a collared shirt, called them sir, called them ma'am, wiped your shoes off before you went in. And I'm not suggesting that we want to, but that helps set the tone. And particularly in our industry where people are kind of frazzled because they weren't expecting their ice maker to dump two inches of water in their kitchen in the middle of the night. That may not be a, a hurricane hitting the East Coast, but it certainly is a disaster in that person's home. And then when the cavalry arrives, the veteran, right? Who has this reputation of helping people in their time of need and the reputation of the U.S. military kind of goes along with that. You set them at ease and you say to them by showing up on time that their time is more valuable than yours, the customer's, right? What does that say when somebody gives you a four-hour window, they don't show up within that four-hour window? That means the technician's time is more valuable than the customer's because they can wait around for four hours Mm -hmm. to show up. And so those things I think resonate. And that's what I want our franchisees to do is go out and talk to people and explain that to them. And when that happens, I believe they're not really marketing, right? I mean, they are, but they're not really doing that. What they're doing is telling stories. And it's far more easier for veterans to tell those stories because they understand it. They've lived it their adult lives in their military service. Or if they're advocates, they understand that aspect of it. Then they're not selling. and They don't feel dirty about it they're just representing their brand, right?
1: I think the old saying that I share with so many of my guests is applicable here too. And that is that people don't remember what you say as much as they remember how you make them feel. Yeah. And if your veterans are going out with those kinds of conversations, you're going to make people feel that you're worthy of their trust and that's what they're going to remember. So it's not the word so much as the feelings.
2: Yeah. And the other thing I think is important, and I explain this, I personally do this training with our franchisees. I said, let's make sure we understand the brand promise and what we're marketing. We're not asking people to choose us because we're primarily veteran-owned and veteran-operated. That's a handout, right? And we're not looking for handouts. But because we're primarily veteran-owned and veteran-operated, early is on time and on time is late. Because we're primarily veteran-operated, most non-commissioned officers, junior officers in the military can get a group of guys and gals to be at the right place at the right time with the right kit to accomplish the mission, no problem, right? And so because of those things that happen to be attributes of veterans and characteristics of veterans, we deliver a higher quality service. And when you get there and you complete the mission and you extract more water than your competitor does on day one, my COO is a retired sergeant major. And he likes to say, you know, our competitors, what they like to do is they like to plug the machines in and let the machines do the work. And when you plug a machine in, dead presidents come out because you're charging basically the rental of your machines. He said, but when veterans go there and they extract more water and they do more work, they're in, they're out, they take care of the mission. What happens then is the customer. Delighted because they're not there as long. The customer doesn't experience as much disruption in their life as they would if they had our competitor. When that happens, typically the claim value is lower. So the insurance carrier is happy. So let's see, our client, the insurance carrier, is happy. Our customer, the person who had the dishwasher, washing machine explode, they're happy because we're in and out. We're happy because we make a fair profit in that and our reputation is significantly enhanced. And therefore we get more work in the future. And we represent the value of veterans. Win-win-win.
1: When it's a good thing.
2: And so, on those kinds of
1: jobs, then where you're making relationships that matter in the communities, you're getting the calls from the consumers. Where my mistaken impression was that you're probably in a business that's more insurance controlled than client driven or customer driven. But I guess that would apply more or be more applicable
2: to those disasters that you get called in on. Well, let me clarify we primarily are a model of business to business helping the customer. So, typically, what happens, there's, different, there's a number of ways that a restoration job can get initiated. Folks our age used to say, you go look in the phone book, you can't do that anymore. You Google water damage mitigation or broken pipe or something like that, right? And and you find a plumber and then the plumber refers a restoration company or something like that. That often, and frankly, leads to some corruption because there's a lot of plumbers on the take. We don't participate in that. We're not interested in that. Then there's ServPro is the largest brand in the industry that, to my knowledge, are the only one that has a commercial on TV. So there's some brand recognition. Okay, you know that. But a lot of times, the majority of time, what we do is an insured loss, whether it's a kitchen fire or a dishwasher, ice maker, hot water heater, roof leak, those types of things, and they call their insurance company. And our model has been, we are a preferred vendor with over 60 insurance companies in Florida and eight third-party administrators. And of those, about 10 of those insurance carriers, all State Farm, USAA, Nationwide, Amica, are nationwide. And so the insurance carrier says, it's always the consumer's right to choose, but then. Insurance carrier says, Hey, would you like to use one of our preferred vendors? And because this happens so infrequently in a person's life, they generally don't know who to call. So the answer is usually yes. And so we'll either get referred on a rotation basis or they'll say, Here are three vendors, pick one, that kind of thing. And so oftentimes we'll get a warm transfer from our call center that's either a referral from an insurance agent, insurance company, a third party administrator. And then we're kind of helping to talk the consumer off the ledge. And from that point forward, after that connection is made, we're working for the customer, who's the consumer, on behalf of our client, who's the insurance carrier or the third-party administrator. And so that's the piece that's a really, a really good relationship because it's win-win-win. And the insurance carriers and TPAs want to try and keep it to preferred vendors because they vet them. They know that we're licensed, we're insured, we have the correct insurance, we have the correct credentials, training credentials, et cetera. And we're typically saving them money. When we save them money, it's actually good policy because you and I and everybody else out there listening to this podcast are paying an insurance policy premium. And the lower they can keep their loss rates, the lower they keep the premium. So it's it's good for everybody.
1: Back to the win-win-win. Yep. Let's talk about the recruitment side of the business. Obviously, you've got a unique value proposition for veterans. You did say you've got one franchisee who's not veteran, but a veteran
2: advocate. So what are the criteria
1: and where do you go to find your recruits?
2: Yeah. So our policy is we hire and recruit as franchisees. Veterans, and those who share similar values. You've got to want to help our nation's heroes find sustainable, meaningful employment opportunities and career opportunities. And here's our biggest criteria. we have got to find people that are in the sweet spot. And the sweet spot is the intersection of four things. What do you love doing, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you're good at. And if potential franchisees out there see that the opportunity to be a franchisee with Vetcor is the intersection of those four things, then they're a good fit. And what you love doing doesn't have to mean that you love restoration work, right? But also if you love working out, that doesn't necessarily mean you should be a gym owner because the gym owner isn't the person who's doing the personal training, right? So what I want you to love doing is creating opportunities for fellow veterans. What I want you to love doing is leading, training, managing a team generally of fellow veterans. Clearly the world needs the restoration work, particularly with storms and the significance of storms happening. The world needs it from a catastrophe standpoint. I think the world is going to continue to need this. It's shown, it's demonstrated that we're recession proof and pandemic proof. Clearly you can get paid for this. And the cool thing is because of our relationship with insurance companies, you can get paid relatively quickly because they're typically paying us directly because they want us in, out, and then they'll collect and worry about the deductible on the the other side with the general contractor who does the rebuild. And then again, you don't have to be good at this, but you have to be a good learner. Because I mentioned our training program was developed by our chief operating officer, Scott Walden, who's a retired army sergeant major. There are no finer in the world at developing training plans, executing training than a sergeant major in E9. There are no E10s for those listening and don't know much about the military. Enlisted nine, there are no higher ranks in the enlisted ranks than sergeants major in the army. There's nobody better at training. And so what I want is people who are good at training and learning. And typically if you're in the military, it's been an upper out. You're constantly training, being developed as a leader. And so typically that's a check the block. Yeah, that's true.
1: Very, very intriguing and interesting discussion today, Paul. The only thing then left for me to ask is
2: to please let the audience know how they can reach you. Yeah, so our website, www.VetCoreServices, V-E-T-C-O-R-Services.com. My bio and contact information is there, Paul Hussar, H-U-S-Z-A-R. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, for both me personally and VetCore are on there. If you want to connect, shoot me a note. Hey, I heard you on the podcast. I want to help vets. I want to learn more about that. I've got a white paper also. I'll be happy to send to anybody if they reach out and contact me. It's a little two pages about ways to find vets, the economic incentives when you hire them. I'm happy to share that with anybody because I want to promote the hiring of veterans. Paul, thanks for joining us today and sharing so much. And moreover, thank you for all of your years of service. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. And, and thanks for caring so much, particularly this time of year and having me on. I, mean, I appreciate it, Stan. I'm look forward to seeing you on the road as we
1: start getting out and about again, and uh, look forward to tracking the progress and the growth of the company. I've got every faith and confidence that you're here to stay, and others who join you are going to go along for the ride. Paul Hussar, President and CEO of Vetcor, thanks for joining us. Hoa. I'll be keeping a watchful eye on Paul and this brand's progress, as I have no doubt that his principle-centered leadership will assure that Vetcor continues on its current trajectory. I'm back next week with Michael E. Gerber and our two-part discussion of the E-Myth. Until then, remember to subscribe to Franchise Today and never miss an episode. New interviews are posted each Wednesday at noon Eastern on Block Talk Radio and are available for download at iHeartRadio, Apple, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere that podcasts are found. You can even ask Alexa to play the latest episode and Hey Google will do that for you too. Your thoughts, questions, comments, interviews, suggestions are all welcome and invited at Stan at sensiblefranchising.com or all of my contact info is easily found on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Until next week, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out.